Hi, we're Katie, Jessica, and Shannon, and this is Boy Problems Podcast, a community focused on supporting families navigating substance use disorder. We hope sharing our stories, introducing you to experts, and answering all the questions you have no one else to ask will help you better navigate your story. Through our partners' recoveries, we found each other and formed our own squad, one we know is so valuable to how we manage this disease in our relationships. So we started bringing a microphone to our hangouts to extend our conversations to others just like us. When you're here, you're not alone. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast. Today, we are doing part two of interviewing each one of us. And today's my day. I was not sent any questions in advance. It is early in a morning. And so let's see where this goes, ladies. Well, you don't really need questions to tell us your story. (laughs) You probably know that. <laughs> uh, well, where do, where do you want to start? Me, I don't care. Start t- tell us about how you met how you met Kevin. Yeah, let's just go to the beginning, the go origin the beginning. of this, the whole thing. Yeah. So, my mom was killed my second week of college, and I was home for a week, and then I went back to school, and my RA came to my room and was like. Hey, my dad died a few years ago. You know, if you ever want to talk, please, you know, come down. And so it was really hard when you're 18, you don't have a lot of people that can relate to that. And so I did, even though my RA was my arch nemesis, because I obviously wanted to drink in college in my room. um, I did befriend her and her brother would stop by. Uh, he did like a two-year school. So her brother would stop by and he would be in the room. Anyway, so I saw this dude a handful of times. Uh, anyway, fast forward to a year of seeing her brother and him seeing me. And she finally gave, let us switch numbers. Um, and so Kimmin is my RA's brother is how how I met Kimmin. What is switching numbers? You mean like exchanging? Exchange. What did I, what? Uh Yeah. Exchanging numbers. So you like changed your room to be, I don't know. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) That's funny. No, I didn't. I didn't do that. So what were those like early days like? So, I mean, if I reflect back on our first date, uh, we went to a Mexican restaurant and he ordered way more large margaritas than he probably <laughs> should have to the point where now the, you know, he picked me up in a car, in his car and it was only a couple blocks away that I even at dinner was thinking, should I walk home? I'm a little bit nervous. Um, anyway, so it was fine. And again, like we always partied. And so the beginnings were, you know, we were, one of us was having drinks and, um, you know, we were sober. I mean, we talked on the phone, um, but partying was just like a part of our relationship in the beginning. So, yeah. yeah. So then after graduation, did you, did you guys move in together? Were you back in the same city at this point or? 
Yeah. So we still, so while we were in college, we lived an hour away from each other. So we only saw each other on weekends. And then, I don't know, I think I moved home for a few months and then we did move in with each other. Um, We did move in with each other in 2009. Okay. So you guys move in together. Yeah. That's like, you know, supposed to be like an exciting time. How was it like what you expected? Um, I don't know. Yeah. So at that time he was working overnights. And so he was working like 9 PM to 6 AM something, um, in that ballpark. And so, and I was working like 40 weekends a year. And so when he was off on weekends, I wasn't, so we would have a Sunday together, but his, if anybody's been on overnights, you just cannot flop your schedule and I'm not a night owl really. And so we would see each other when I would get home from like regular work on work days for an hour and 20 minutes a day. And then on Sunday, and then I would be pooped. I'd be pooped from weddings because it's just exhausting. And then he would just be on a weird schedule. So for the first I don't know. <laughs> For the next probably two, three years, that's how it was. Is we only got to see each other for a very short period of time, and then on Sundays. But it was how- okay. I mean, it was okay. Yeah. Okay, I was about to say, like, how was that for your relationship? I know that I feel like there were times uh, where Jay and my schedule were opposite, and I just felt like, like, are we even together? Like, I don't even feel like I see you or know you. So, like. I don't know. Was there a strain on the relationship? No, I think, especially during that time of like, okay, well, I've been, this is the longest relationship I've ever been with. Like he, he really is a nice guy. And so, you know, he was trying to get day jobs, um, but he's in a very specific industry and you have to get seniority seniority to kind of move your way up into the daytime jobs. And so I knew he was trying and, you know, we, we would have fun. I mean, we, yeah, we were having a nice time. It was not, it was nice. I mean, yeah, it was nice. So 2009 was when you moved in and I just know I met you in 2015. So that, you know, it was a lot of years happened in there. And, you know, the first few years you said your eyes, schedule weren't, weren't really matching up, but things seemed okay. So at what point did it shift where things like weren't feeling okay? So we, okay. So we got, you know, <clears throat> we moved into our house in 2013 got engaged probably end of 2011. Like we got engaged, like married just one year after we got engaged. And even before then, I can just vividly remember sitting in our apartment on the West side and him trying to sleep. Like, you know, it's like a one bedroom apartment, right? So I can see into the bedroom from the living room. And he was just doing like all like man he was just acting weird and I couldn't put my finger on it like it he would just like lay in bed and then he would like 
role, but, but when I say roll, he was like aggressively rolling where he was like hitting the end tables, falling off the bed. Um, he, then he would come out and lay on the floor, but then he's like kicking the coffee table. And like, we had a coffee table with like glass on it. And so he'd like kick the glass off and it's like, what the fuck? Um, and so things were weird. Um, he would just, if he wasn't, and he was always like, I'm just tired and it's really hard to swap schedules, but I've never worked overnights. So we don't know what that's like. And so I couldn't say like, this isn't because, I mean, I know when I'm sleepy, like, you know, I just feel weird. And so it makes sense for him trying to flip his schedule that he was looking and acting weird. And so, so that was weird. Um, but again, we didn't see each other that much. So when that did happen, it was for brief periods of time. Um, then there were times uh, when, oh, he did get a day job. So he got a day job and he was, he's in the printing industry. And so he got laid off at a newspaper. And so he got a job selling ads in newspapers and which is so funny if you know him now um and sometimes he just wouldn't come home like it'd be late at night and um what I found out like just just honestly recently within the past few months is like he used to go because he would just cold call businesses so he would go and this was like an hour and a half he would go to, I don't know, Crawfordsville or something. He'd go like an hour away from the city, but he would like, he would just leave and not go to work. He would go get drugs at his dealers and then go drive and try to sell newspapers because he has such social anxiety. He was just driving around calling on businesses all fucked up. So yeah. Um, and then when we got engaged and the wedding, he had found another printing job but again, it was overnight. He's working overnights and he wasn't coming home. And so it's like 2, 3 a.m. I'm waking up. I'm like, WTF, where is he? He's working downtown Indianapolis and he's working in a sketchy area. And so there are times on multiple occasions that I found him in his parking lot, like passed out or like slumped over in his car um, the day two days before my wedding when it was his last night. Well, oh, one time I went to go find him and he, uh, I was driving and I see a lot of police lights and I'm like, oh fuck. Like I just knew it was him and I pulled up and it was. And so I'm like, Hey officers, you know, this is my fiance, you know, whatever. And they, long story short, the cop took me home brought me back in the cop car so I could drive Kimmon's car back they were holding him because um I asked to watch the dash cam video because um whatever I do that and so we both got in the back of the cop car and I'm watching the dash cam and he is driving literally on the other side of the road like this is country roads in Brownsburg he was driving on the complete other side almost to the point a couple of times there's like guardrails you know because there's like bridges and shit like he's almost hitting this guardrail driving on the other side and he was driving a lot on the other side of the road now 2 3 a.m brownsburg country roads not a lot of people thank god 
anyway so but then he's making jokes of it the whole time now that's how my mom was killed somebody was driving on the wrong side of the road and that that's how she was killed and so driving impaired was always a super super big thing so all throughout our relationship I was mostly the DD like 99% of the time so I was so frustrated with him that he was laughing and joking and saying that the cops are awful and blah, 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 all this kind of stuff um, that it was really upsetting. Uh, they let him go. There was no charges, no nothing, probably because I came and found him and I was causing a fucking scene, <laughs> like just yelling at him. Um, so anyway, we went home and then the day before the wedding, the last day um, that he worked before our wedding, he didn't come home. My girlfriend from Cincinnati was staying with me in our apartment. Again, he's not home. So I wake up at a weird hour, go drive downtown. He is half in the car, half outside the car. Like one leg is in and out. His wallet is in his left hand. Now, mind you, a few weeks before this, we had found out somebody from his work got robbed with a machine gun or whatever in his face. And it was like just a scary area that he works. And so anyway, he slumped over again and he's half in half out of the car with his wallet open on his lap. And I'm like, he's dead. He's probably dead. And he wasn't. I somehow, he at that point was a lot bigger than me. Anyway, I push him. I somehow get him into my car, get him up the stairs to our apartment He's laying on the floor the next day. Like I've got to get my wedding dress out. I've got to do all the last minute wedding rehearsal. I got to get all that stuff done. And my girlfriend and I are walking out the door and he wakes up and he's like, what the fuck is going on? And I'm like, uh, you don't remember you were passed out in your fucking car last night. And so he didn't have a car and he didn't, he had no idea how he got home. Nothing like that. Um, yeah. So that takes us to our wedding. Oh, wait, this is the day before. Yeah. Which I've heard you say that before. And it, I'm always still just as shocked each time. Cause I'm like thinking of you, like, that's what you're dealing with the day before your wedding and like how stressful and upsetting that must've been. But it was fine because he was just tired and he had just worn himself out. So is what you thought. So like, okay. Before we keep going forward, like, what are you thinking as far as like, why are you maybe like, what's your mindset around like, why you're staying in this relationship or like, are you comparing it to other people's relationships? Like, what is your mindset about like, the quality of your relationship and how you guys are doing? And like, are you excited to be marrying this person and doing this for your whole life? Like, what is your mindset? during this leading up to your wedding and like what makes you like get married Mm -hmm. I think the because I was in the wedding industry for however many years at that point it was a good distraction like I was doing 80 other weddings in addition to mine and so our relationship was not good I, for a long time, just wanted to keep up with the Joneses or whatever. And so I probably shouldn't have stayed. I probably should have called off the wedding. Like I probably should have been asking more questions. But again, when I asked questions of like, this is weird, what's wrong, what's going on? 
it was a huge blow up. He would just go like wild. It's like, all right, fine. Um, And also I didn't see him that much. And so I didn't, it wasn't constantly in my face. Um, Like we didn't hang out at night. Like we never hung out at night and on weekends, like we're not hanging out on Saturday. So on Sunday, like it was mostly just like laying in the house, watching a movie or something. So, mm -hmm. so that that's pre-wedding. I I probably shouldn't have gotten married. And I, I met some new person last night and uh, said, she said something because we've been together for 16 years now. And she's like, oh my God, you know, I can't believe, like, how did you stay together? Because we met when I was 19. And I was like, I honestly can't tell you, I probably shouldn't really be with him. And she just giggled, but obviously she doesn't know the backstory. And, and so, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't think I, I mean, just young, I mean, early twenties. I mean, I knew nothing and, you know, he, he had a really nice family and my family liked him and that person probably thought you were, uh, you know, just being funny, like, oh, I don't know why I'm even with them. And you're like, no, but for real, um, I'm being yeah. honest. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I made the conscious decision to stay with him. It was like, I, I'm wrong. Yeah. Just move along. Just I've, I've well, been in this knowing you. already. Yeah, knowing you now, I mean, it makes sense because that's kind of how you are. Like you commit to something and you do it. And it, I can see you playing that out in like once the wedding's planned and like you're just doing it. You're finishing the job. Correct. Yeah. Just happens to be the rest of your life. <laughs> right. <laughs> I kind of think I even thought like, you know what? Divorce would be fine. You can get divorced. It's fine. Like, I kind of, kind of vaguely remember thinking that now, again, I didn't come from a divorced home and neither did he. So I really don't think I knew the gravity of what a divorce is, was whatever. Um, but I feel like I had that feeling of like, you know what, let's just give it a whirl. And if it ends in divorce, it's fine. Cause we were together six years before we got married. Was he using all six years? It sounds like yes. Yeah. So when in the college years, that was like the first three years, um, we would do like alcohol and weed. He was doing pills on the side that I didn't know. Yeah. And And then when we got, yeah. And then when we got married, he was already using heroin and I did not know that again, still anybody who's new, I knew none of this was drug related until three years after we got married. So start from there. Okay. So you're married. Are you happily, is it happily ever after? Like what's happening after that yeah at this point I know my life is shit I'm still working weddings I'm still whatever um like two three months after we got married he got a day job um that and that's when I really started to realize I'm unhappy something's going on um yeah so that I think had he, had we been on the same schedule, I may have found out sooner. And I don't think he would have gotten clean when he did. And I don't know if I would have stayed. Um, so what did you do? Like you realized you're unhappy and then did you con- 
confront him? Did you start to figure things out? I think it's still yeah. like three years, right? So what it's, happens in that three years? Yeah. So I go to a counselor because I love counseling. Um, I, so um, I had been going to a counselor in college because of the death of my mom. And so there's probably like a year or two buffer when I didn't see anybody. And then I realized like, I'm just unhappy in general. And so I went to a counselor and, you know, she's new. So learning all my backstory and things like that. And she's like, I really think you're unhappy in your marriage. I'm like, no, man, I'm telling you, I didn't deal with my mom dying. I really want to focus on that issue because when she said it, um, it, it really hurt because I think I knew she was right. And she was telling me how I was describing things to her was like, like a three ring circus. Like I keep describing the two side circles, you know, in a circus, but the, in the middle of the ring is my husband and our problems. And I was like, I'm telling you, that's not true. Um, yeah, she knew I didn't, I mean, I didn't, she didn't know it was drugs, but she knew I was unhappy in my marriage. So you're kind of like in denial. Yeah. For a while. Right. So interesting. Yeah. Right. So what happens next? So things just keep getting weirder. Like for we just stop talking in general. He gets off work at two. I get off work at five. I would get home. He would be passed out on the couch. I couldn't get him to like wake up and talk to me very long. Sometimes the only way I could get him to talk to me is if I could get him physically off the couch. Um, our neighborhood is just a small circle essentially. And it's just like a 20 minute lap. And so, um, if I could get him up and convince him to walk in the circle with me, I could get to talk to him, but, and then at this point, you know, we could go out with friends and, you know, on weekends when I wasn't working and he would just, I mean, he had all Saturday to himself. He had most Friday nights and all Saturday to himself. Cause I'd be gone at, you know, I'd have to be at work at nine and then I wouldn't get home till 10, you know, 40 plus weekends out of a year. Um, but then when we, we would go see friends at their house, like he would just get effed up beyond belief. And so again, but we were partying. And so it's like, you're just effed up. And I really wish you wouldn't get that messed up, but please try not to next time. Um, cause I was always sober. Cause I, you know, driving impaired is a big deal for me. So, you know, whatever. What did your friends think about this situation? Like one, when they see him and he's getting like more messed up than everyone else, like did, did anyone find that alarming or, and then also like, were you talking to any of your friends about the fact that you, you guys were unhappy and that you and Kim and were basically like not talking to each other? No, we had the best marriage that anybody could have. We were so in love and, uh, no, my friend, I, um, I kind of stopped talking to friends at that point. Um, and as I'm recalling this, so I, and this wait with me on this story. I had a relationship with like my BFF at the time, her and I, we would go out to dinner. Her and I would talk, like I'd call her at like midnight just to like shoot the shit. Like we had like this pseudo relationship, 
and it, because her husband was traveling. So he lived in another state. My husband could basically have been in any fucking other place than my house. And so her and I, we enjoyed going out to dinner. We enjoyed going out. Like we hit like every restaurant in downtown Indian, like mass app. Like that was like a goal of ours. And so we hit every restaurant. Like that was just like something we wanted to do anyway. So her and I had like this pseudo relationship. She moved in with us for a while. Um, it was great. It was fun. You know, she's a hoot. Um, but then her husband's job was then more permanent in Hawaii at that time. And so she's like, man, I'm going to move out there with him. And I was like, of course do it. Um, I took her to the air. Like I, we, I moved her out of her house. Like her and I packed up her whole house. We did the whole thing. Um, at four in the morning, I took her to Hawaii and I still, man, I can bring tears to my eyes. Um, still seeing her walk. And then that's, that's when it all fell apart because I had nobody. She was my person. And after her, after she left, cause again, that's what six, seven hours difference after her, the silence was deafening. Cause he just wouldn't, he wouldn't talk to me. He wouldn't, we had no. And then if, and if he would, I'd start asking questions and then he would just yell. Um, and for me, something I've known my whole life, when anybody yells about anything, it just, it rocks me to my soul. I can't, I cannot deal with, with yelling. So, um, so yeah, he would just yell. Yeah. So it sounds like that friendship, you know, it was kind of like filling the hole hundred percent there was in the marriage. And so yeah. it, it was able to mask maybe the, the severity of the issues. And then once that was gone, it really exposed correct issues. Um, so at this point, like how far out are you from finding out about addiction? (laughs) Probably a year or two at that point. (laughs) Yeah. So things just keep getting worse. Um, you know, the catalyst that really was the beginning of the end. So again, I would come home at five o'clock every day. He's on the couch at this point. He's diagnosed, or I don't even know the real term with uh, sleep apnea, like severe sleep apnea. So I'd get home. He'd be blue on the couch. I'd put his sleep mask on that machine forces you to breathe essentially. So that, um, that was breathing for him. He'd be blue. Most times I'd get home. Um, And then I would just sit and watch TV and just make sure he kept breathing. So I did that for a few years. Um, And then the catalyst, he, um, he got injured at work. He broke his foot. He slipped. I don't know. He works in a plant. He slipped, he broke his foot. And I remember him calling. Anyway, I show about like the immediate care ER where he is because he can't drive. It's his right foot. And he is freaking the fuck out. Are they going to drug test me? Are you going to have to tell my work, like going nuts on this nurse? And the nurse guy was like, sir, I have to take a drug test. If you're going to file this for workman's comp, blah, 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 whatever. Um, I don't know what happened with that drug test. Cause that drug test would have shown opiates in his system, but I I don't, I don't know what happened, honestly, because then he has foot surgery. 
and you know, he comes out of foot surgery, they put him down, they put like rods and shit in his feet, whatever. I don't know. And the nurse comes out and she's like, Oh my gosh, your husband's so sweet. He's been asking for you, like in the recovery area. And I just remember walking back to like his room thinking this motherfucker doesn't even talk to me. And he wants me like what, like he was such an asshole going to the surgery, like just in the car. Like I don't, he smoked cigarettes at the time. And he's like smoke chain, smoking cigarettes in my car. I'm like, fucking quit smoking in my car. I don't like my dad was going to find out and he, he was going to smell my car. <laughs> I don't know why I gave a shit that my dad, would have. but um, anyway, so then, and then like, he's like, I get in and he's like all groggy and he's like, Oh baby, I love you. I missed you. I was so nervous. And I'm just, I remember thinking like, are you serious? Like whatever. Like I've like vividly remember that feeling of like, fuck you. We don't even like each other. I don't care. So anyway, so he gets prescribed a shit ton of opiates, a shit ton. He's off work for three months because his job's physical. He has to stand on his feet for eight hours a day. And so he's home for three months and he's not allowed to drive. But somehow, and it's like December or whatever in Indiana, and somehow I get a call. He's in a car accident with a broken fucking foot in a bad part of town. And I'm like, why are you at 56 and something or wherever he was? And he's like, oh, I just, I just needed to drive. I had to get out of the house. (laughs) I found out he was meeting his dealer. He'd been doing that. He'd been driving with his boot or something I have no fucking clue like this is on his right foot anyway so then at this point somebody at his work before this saw him doing pills at work and was like dude just do heroin it's so much cheaper because pills were getting hard to get so his buddy at work was just giving him heroin and then then he started to buy heroin obviously and um so at this point now he's doing heroin and pills at the same time which is why and that really deplete like messes with your how you breathe and he took like double downers and so that's why I was finding him blue every day is because he was taking so many drugs that his lungs were just they were just stopping so where was that oh yeah heroin whatever and then so then he just he has an unlimited supply of opiates because he just keeps calling the doctor and the doctor just keeps calling in prescriptions for major narcotics um he also when that doctor kind of started to ramp down the drugs he was now um with a psychiatrist psychologist getting drugs from him kimmon was researching like in drug journals finding out um because he's very intelligent finding out what side effects he could tell the doctor to get the pills he wants like if he prescribed him something non-narcotic just to try out with, like Kevin would say, well, I'm having these side effects and blah, 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 where he got the pills that he wanted. So he was getting a shit ton of pills from this guy. He was tapering. The other guy was tapering him off because he's like, well, it's four or five months after your surgery. You shouldn't be in this much pain. Um, and then he was doing heroin on top of all of that. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to Katie's story today. We are going to pause right here and save the rest for part two. Be sure to subscribe to Boy Problems Podcast so you don't miss when that episode is released in just a couple of weeks. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, it would mean so much if you would rate and review and share with any friends or other people who may need to hear it. And of course, keep coming back. Thanks for spending time with us. We hope this story has helped you better navigate yours. 
Don't forget to subscribe so we can meet you here next time. If you enjoyed this episode, spread the love by rating or reviewing. Need more support? Join our online community by visiting us at boyproblemspod.com. Whatever you do, keep coming back. We're not licensed professionals. We're here to share our lived experience. So take what resonates and leave what doesn't.